Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hi, I'm Cody Westbrook, and this is the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We're thankful for the opportunity we have today to spend some time studying God's Word together And we invite your attention to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, as we continue our study of this great book. The Great Pyramid at Giza was built more than 2,000 years before Christ, and it is the only one of the seven wonders of the ancient world still in existence. It was the largest structure known to man until the 19th century. It took approximately 2.3 million blocks of stone, and it weighs an estimated 6.5 million tons. You put all of that together, and what it means is that you could build the Empire State Building 30 times over if you took all of the masonry from the Great Pyramid at Giza. It was originally estimated to be 481 feet tall. The base is a square, and each side measures in at 756 feet, an area of 13 acres, and that means you could fit nearly 10 football fields inside it. Each side has an area of 5.5 acres, and there are 203 steps to its summit. As massive as it is, like every other great work, The Great Pyramid began as a plan and not by accident. So, whether we're talking about building a great congregational work, whether we're talking about building a great spiritual life or building a great godly family, whatever the goal is, whatever the object is, it must begin with a plan. It must begin with forethought, and it must begin with preparation. That is exactly what we see as we study the first two chapters of the book of Nehemiah. You may remember from our, our previous episode that the background of Nehemiah, of course, is the destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple and the carrying away of the Israelites into Babylonian captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. They stayed in captivity for a period of 70 years, and then with the rise of the Medo-Persians, the Jews were allowed to return to their homeland. And so Ezra returned and rebuilt the temple, and Nehemiah returned and rebuilt the walls. So as we approach our study of the book of Nehemiah, we are approaching it from the standpoint of rebuilding the walls. As we think about the church and the difficulty the church has experienced over the last year with the coronavirus pandemic and so many other things that have challenged the church, we're thinking about what must we do in order to continue on into the future? How can we move forward? How can we rebuild the walls, if you will, of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's what we're thinking about as we study through Nehemiah. So, in Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2, we are reading a section that has to do with preparation. Preparation. Again, as great as the uh, project would be, whatever the project might be, whether it's the Great Pyramid at Giza or whether it's some other project, something you do at home, everything begins with preparation. 
And that's what Nehemiah does in Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2. He begins to prepare himself and to prepare his plan for rebuilding the walls around the city of Jerusalem. I want you to zoom in with me in Nehemiah chapter 1, and I want us to notice the steps that Nehemiah took in preparing himself to take on this great work of rebuilding the walls. There are three steps that are revealed in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Step number 1, Nehemiah asked the right question. He asked the right question. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and read along with me if you will. The Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Remember that step one is Nehemiah asked the right question. So if you look closely at verse number two in Nehemiah chapter one, you'll notice that Nehemiah had an opportunity to have a conversation with some of his brethren. You could think for a moment about all of the things that he chose not to ask. He didn't ask them about their family. He didn't ask them about their job. He didn't ask them about the weather or the latest news. What he asked them about was that which was of utmost importance. The Bible says in verse number 2, And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived and concerning Jerusalem. You see, by asking the question, by inquiring as to the state of the people and the city and the walls, Nehemiah indicated that he cared. He cared enough to ask. Now, if we're going to set out in completing a great work, if we're going to rebuild the walls to strengthen and edify the church as we move forward into the days, months, and years ahead, there must be a sincere and an objective desire to know what work needs to be done. Let me say that again. There must be a sincere and objective desire to know what work needs to be done. And that is the case because no good work was ever done by people who didn't care. Think about the examples of Jeremiah and Jesus. Both of these, Jeremiah and Jesus, looked out over the children of Israel and and wept because of their sinfulness and because of their rejection of God and their rebellion against His words. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 28, the Apostle Paul described his own sincere care of the church and of Christians. He said besides other things, as he went through and listed all of the difficulties he had had in ministry, he said beside all of these things, what comes upon me daily, listen to this, my deep concern for all the churches. You see, the first question that has to be asked or really we should say it this way, the first step that needs to be taken is that each and every one of us, that means every preacher, that means every elder, that means every deacon, every Bible class teacher, every song leader, every Christian, regardless of how old or young they may be, 
regardless of how big or small their congregation might be, regardless of whatever their talent or their skill set might be, every single one of us must first examine ourselves carefully and ask this question, do we care? Do we really and truly care about the state and the health of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ? If we do, then we must take initiative in identifying the need. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 3 to 5. Paul says, examine yourselves. The word examine means to learn the true nature or character or identity of. So examine yourselves means look deeply within yourself, examine and learn your true nature or your true character. He says, prove your own selves to see whether or not you are in the faith. And the word prove means or refers to an examination for genuineness. 2 Corinthians 13, 3-5 calls for us to take a very deep, introspective, and objective look of ourselves, of our hearts, of our minds, of our character, of our desires. Do we really care? Sometimes it's easy to see the blotches and the warts and the wrinkles in someone else, but ignore them in ourselves. Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 3, as you probably recall, when he talked about judging. He said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Now, of course, Jesus was not condemning judgment of any kind or every kind. Jesus was condemning hypocritical judgment. The kind of judgment where we look at someone else and we see all of their problems, but we refuse to look at ourselves and see our problems and see the areas in which we need to grow. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12, the Apostle Paul says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The idea of that passage is this. We cannot look to another person and measure our own faithfulness or spirituality based on someone else. You see, we do this sometimes. We look at someone else and say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. Or, well, I am more faithful than that person. I could be worse like that person over there. And then we make ourselves feel good because we're comparing ourselves to someone else. The Apostle Paul says, we're not going to do that. We must not look at other people. We must not look at other families. We must not look at other congregations and judge ourselves to be worse or better uh, than uh, because we have always been. When we're talking about asking the right question, when we're talking about really caring, We're talking about a sincere, in-depth examination of ourselves in light of God's Word to determine how much we really care about the church of our Lord. Because how much we really care about the church of our Lord is then going to determine how much initiative we're willing to take in identifying the needs of the church and how much effort we're willing to put forth in meeting those needs. Now back to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah asked the question, but then Nehemiah also received an answer. 
In verse number 3, they answered to him and said, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Nehemiah said, Tell me about the people. Tell me about the city. And the answer was, The people are broken, and the city is broken. You see, caring enough to make an objective examination leads naturally to realistic observation. Let me repeat that. Caring enough to make an an objective examination, that means objectively asking the question and searching, leads naturally to a realistic observation. If we ask the right question and we sincerely want to know, if we sincerely seek to find out, then that's going to lead naturally to us having a realistic, objective view of the problem. The idea then is, I know the problem, and so let's get to work fixing it. Someone has said, in fact, most problems, properly defined, are already partially solved. So when we think about rebuilding the walls, building up the church, strengthening the church of Jesus Christ, we ask the right question. We care. We want to find out what's the issue, what are the needs, how can we fix them? And then once we, once, we answer, once we ask and answer that question, we can't take an attitude of, don't confuse me with the facts, but rather the attitude should be, make it plain, Habakkuk 2 and verse number 2. Let's not attempt to lie to ourselves and tell ourselves that everything is okay. Let's not tell ourselves that everything will always be how it has always been, but rather we must always be determined to work. Step number one for Nehemiah in taking on this great work of rebuilding the walls was asking the right question, fact-finding, making an objective examination of the problem so he would know what needed to be done in order to resolve it. Now it's time for step number two. And step number two is found in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, through the end of the chapter, verse number 11. Nehemiah 1, 4 through 1, 11. And here it is. He took God's work before God's throne. Nehemiah took God's work before God's throne. Nehemiah 1, 4 to 11 is a prayer of Nehemiah, a prayer Notice in verses 4 to 6, Nehemiah makes an appeal to God. He says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night for the children of Israel, your servants. What do we see in these these verses? Well, we see Nehemiah's immediate reaction. He asked the question in verses 1 to 3. He sought to find the facts. But as soon as he found the facts, as soon as he knew exactly what the problem was, his immediate reaction was to pray to God. Notice that he didn't go and talk to other people about what, it, what needed to be done, at least not first. He didn't look for a self-help book. 
He didn't go to a religious bookstore or get on YouTube or Google the problem. The first thing that he did is he bowed his knee before the Father in heaven and he took God's work before God's throne. Now, why was this his initial reaction? Well, the text tells us, because Nehemiah knew that he had a big God for a big work. Look at how he describes God in these verses. He describes God as great and awesome, which literally means that God is able. When we talk about the greatness and the awesomeness of God, we're talking about his ability. We're talking about his power. We should recognize that we are his people and we are doing his work, and so we should never limit him. Sometimes we do this with our attitude, with our negativity, with our pessimism. We look at the state of the world around us and all of the trouble that's going on and the tenor, if you will, of society, and we get this defeatist mentality. Well, no one wants to hear the truth anymore. No one cares about Christianity. I wish things were like they were in years you know, past. We'll never be as big and work as hard as we did before. Those kinds of attitudes are wrong and sinful, and we should never have them. We serve a great God who is awesome, who is able. The church is His. It belongs to God. We are the people of God, and we are doing the work of God, so we cannot limit God. He says something else about God, though. He also says that God keeps His covenant, which means God is faithful. God is not going to lie. In fact, it's outside of His nature. He is unable to lie, according to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. He is also merciful and attentive, number three and number four. God shows mercy on his people, and God also pays attention to his people. He listens to his people. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and verse number seven that we are to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. So, knowing that God was great and awesome and faithful and merciful and attentive, what did Nehemiah do? Well, he says that he was persistent. Nehemiah was persistent. The Bible says day and night, Nehemiah was fasting and praying before God. Paul said, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 17. Jesus taught a parable that men ought always to pray and never to faint or give up, Luke chapter 18 and verse number 1 and following. We ought to be persistent in our prayer to God in general, but particularly should we be persistent in our prayer to God for the building up of His church. So, Nehemiah first appealed to God, verses 4 to 6. But now I want you to notice in the second part of verse 6 and on into verse 7 that Nehemiah was also realistic about the cause and the problem. He learned what the problem was, but he also knew what caused the problem, and he communicates this in his prayer to God. Listen to what he says. I'm in verse number 6 now. He's praying for your servants. You see this? The children of Israel, your servants. Listen to this. And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. 
Look closely at that and you'll notice that Nehemiah makes no excuses. Nehemiah is perfectly honest with himself and with God and he is perfectly realistic with himself and with God. He knew exactly what the root of the problem was. He knew why the people were broken. He knew why the city was broken. He knew why they had been in captivity for 70 years and that was their own sin. And notice that he takes responsibility for it. He doesn't say, my fathers only. He doesn't say, they. He doesn't say, the kings. He says what? He says, we. We have sinned. We have acted very corruptly. He includes himself. Sometimes the most difficult step is taking a humble look in the mirror and admitting that we are the problem. But know this. No problem is ever solved without taking responsibility. And that includes everyone, regardless of who we are. No problem is ever solved unless we take responsibility, each one of us individually. We cannot point fingers. We cannot blame everyone else. We can't blame the problems in society. If there's a problem, we need to look in the mirror, look at ourselves, and figure out what we need to do in order to fix it. We've got to be realistic. If we're not realistic, we'll never make any headway at all. Next, notice that Nehemiah asks for God's blessing in verse number 8 through 11. He says, I remember, or remember rather, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do keep them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Notice in verses 8 through 11 that there is a humble request. And the request is simply this. Remember. Verse number eight, God asks, or Nehemiah rather asks God, remember. He bases his humble request, notice this, on his knowledge of Scripture. You see, in these verses of this prayer, Nehemiah quotes from or alludes to Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 1 to 5, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 64 and Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 to 4. God had made promises so many years before that if the children of Israel were unfaithful, they would be punished. But if they would repent and come back to God, He would forgive them and He would bless them. Nehemiah knew this. He knew what God's Word said. And so, as he makes this humble request of God to remember, he bases it on his knowledge of Scripture. God had been faithful to His Word in punishing the people, and He would be faithful also to His Word in blessing the people. So, speaking of the people, look what Nehemiah says about the people in these verses. He says, of all the people, he says, we desire to hear your name and prosper. He says, grant all the people mercy. And notice in the last two verses that there are nine personal pronouns. What's the significance of that? Here it is. 
all of the people together. Nehemiah is speaking for all of the people, and he is saying this, We are your people, and we are asking you to bless your business. We are your people, and we are asking you to bless your work. He asks for blessing. He asks for remembrance. He asks for blessing and remembrance of God's faithfulness upon God's people. So this is step number two. In rebuilding the walls, in trying to build up the church, what we have to do first is we have to ask the right questions We have to take an honest look at ourselves. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What areas uh, are there in which we can improve? But then once we ask these questions and we ask them honestly and we make an objective examination and find the answers, the thing to do is bow our heads and our knees and fall on our faces before our God in prayer and appeal to Him because it's His work. Be realistic and ask for God's blessing and God's forgiveness if it's required. In our next episode, we're going to pick up right here and go into Nehemiah chapter 2. And we will notice in Nehemiah chapter 2 the third and final step in preparing to undertake a great work. And remember, as we study this, remember that these principles are applicable in a number of areas. We could be talking about building up the congregation, as is our main emphasis, but it also applies to building up our own personal lives, spiritually speaking. It could be in reference to building a family and making a family stronger. There are, uh, there are so many different arenas in which this, uh, these principles could apply. So review Nehemiah chapter 1. Look at these two steps in Nehemiah chapter 1. Meditate carefully on them and see how they apply to yourself, to your family, to your congregation. And then look at Nehemiah chapter 2 in preparation of our next episode where we look at the third and final step. And I'll tell you what it is. It is this. Nehemiah went to work crafting the right plan. So we asked the right question. We took God's work before God's throne And then we sit down and craft the right plan. We appreciate you taking time to listen to this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. And we certainly hope that you will take the time to listen to our upcoming episodes as we continue to take time to open up God's Word and study it together so that we can try and be the people that God would have us to be. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.